Hi, Mountside. Thank you, Taylor and Mary, for sending that scripture reading in. Um, also, thank you for a couple more requests that we just want to name from Emma, praying for Joey as he goes out to work every day, her dad. Um, thankful with the Zins for bringing family closer during this time. Um, and as, I, as we go through these requests and we, we name them out loud and we share our praises, I'm just struck by how much I miss being together. The, uh, the first number of weeks, there was, I suppose, a bit of energy around this. I suppose a bit of creativity being used that brought some life. Um, but wow, do I miss just being together in this space as a community, worshiping God with one another, hearing um, how each other's weeks have been going, um, celebrating communion together. Um, but we will be back together at some point. And so we need to name that uh, when, when we get frustrated, or at least I do, about not being together. We will once again uh, worship together in this space, and I look forward to that, to that day. Um, one of the great joys uh, of being a parent is working with your kids on things that they're excited about that you can actually help them with. There's plenty of things that my boys get excited about that I'm just not quite able to help them much. I can support them and cheer them on, but some things they get excited about and uh, I get to actually offer some, some, uh, some learned experience and wisdom. Um, one of those things is driving. It was such a thrill to teach Caleb how to drive, and he's doing great, knock on wood. Um, and now, as Zach prepares uh, to drive, I get to work with him some. And so we've been finding, like a few others I've heard in our church community, finding empty parking lots where we can get into there safely, uh, Zach can get behind the wheel, and he can drive around and, and work on some of the skills of driving. And it's been just an absolute gift um, to be able to do that with him. And he's doing quite well, I must say. I'm pretty impressed. Um, it reminded me, though, one time when I was talking with Caleb during uh, his learning to drive. And he looked at me and he said, Dad, I just, I got to ask you, how, how did you know where to go when you were driving before you had smartphones? Like, how did you get directions on where, to, where you needed to go before you had these things in your hand? He didn't say in your hand, but that's how I heard it. Um, and so I introduced him to and explained to him um, the wonderful uh, thing called the Thomas Guide. That thing that many 16-year-olds got for their birthday from their parents that they could stuff in their glove box um, and then they would pull out when they needed to and, and quickly learn how to navigate all these pages and pages of maps. Um, we're working with um, a passage today for the third time. Um, and I think it raises questions about maps. I think we're in a time in our life right now that raises questions about maps. Many people are, are working to frame this unexpected out of this world experience that we're all going through and we're searching and trying on images, metaphors, narratives, maps, if you will, to try to help us make sense of what we're going through. And, and the, the interesting thing about it is that we are all going through this, this storm. You perhaps have heard this metaphor also. We're going through this shared experience of a storm, but we're all experiencing it a little bit differently. We're on different boats, if you will, in this storm, different places on the sea. And so there's a solidarity in what we're going through, but there's also a real particularity and uniqueness to all of our experiences. Some of us um, 
we're really feeling the isolation brought on by the seriousness of this, this pandemic. And we're grieving the loss of lively connections and um, interactions with friends and neighbors. Some of us have a lot of fear and anxiety, um, whether it's economically, um, whether it's just has to do with health. Both of those really linked with core needs for survival and safety. And so we experience that. For some of us, if we're really honest, and maybe we even feel bad about this in some way, which I don't think we should, but some of us are really experiencing this as a wondrous gift, that life had gotten so busy and frantic and fast that this kind of forced stoppage has been a real gift to slow down um, and just take an inventory of what our lives are like. Some of us are exhausted. We're, we're doing new work. Our work has changed. We're trying to grow new muscles in that. Some of us are exhausted from trying to find work. Some of us are exhausted from trying to school kids at home. Um, I heard about Don's letter to the principal. I have a request for a teacher next year. Just, just so long as it's not me, it can be anyone you want to give, um, which is great. But some of us are just really tired. And then some of us are just sad. This underlying kind of feeling of sadness. Relationships stalled. It's hard at home. Whether it's because of who's there or who's not. It's just a lot of work. And so, again, we're on the same storm, but different places on the sea. And in the midst of this, we're asking all kinds of questions. Questions about our nation. Questions about our state. Questions about our church. Questions about our own lives and our own selves. And I think some of those questions we've been looking at through this series might pop up. Who am I? Where do I fit? What, what can my life be meaningful? Um, maybe the season's giving you opportunity to really think about those questions. Maybe the season's really raising those questions for you. And you're not sure what to do with them. A question might be, how do I allow this experience to change me, to change us? for the better. When Christians find ourselves in unmapped spaces, we go to scripture and we seek God's wisdom, the Spirit's wisdoms in texts that the church has used for centuries. And I just think this passage today and that we looked at last week and that we actually looked at, you know, a number of months ago um, is so interesting um, for the time that we're in. So I encourage you to um, not only kind of have open ears now, but to be in this passage together and there's a Zoom group right afterwards that you could talk um, with Sonia and Kurt about this, or I'm going to meet in the Zoom room on Tuesday night to do the same. But in this story, the disciples, like us, are in complete disarray. They're filled with grief and confusion. Their expectations are shattered. They're returning to their homes away from Jerusalem to who knows what, to who can imagine. Um, and their faces are downcast, the story says. They'd arranged a place to go. Probably it's back to life as they knew it. But the bottom line is that in this story, following Jesus hadn't worked out. All the hopes that they had um, kind of mustered up as they followed Jesus seemed to be set aside now. Ari and I were listening to a song by Sarah Bareilles uh, this week. It's actually from the soundtrack for the movie The Waitress. I have not seen the movie, but um, the song is called She Used to Be Mine, and it has this line in the song that says, sometimes life just slips in through the back door. 
And Borellis comments on this, and she says, I think everybody can relate to the idea that no matter where you ended up, you ended up different than you thought you would be. We all have to reconcile the differences with who you thought you would become and who you actually ended up to be. And I think these disciples might be in a bit of that spot. Life had snuck in the back door. They didn't see it coming. Following Jesus hadn't worked out. And the, and the line that just really holds it for me is when they say, we had hoped. We had hoped. They were looking for a new map all of a sudden. And as they walk along, and as we walk along looking for new maps, they're encountered by a stranger. And the first thing this stranger does is asks them about their grief. Asks them about their sadness. What are you talking about? They stopped, their faces downcast. Are you the only one who doesn't know? And they begin to tell this stranger, who we know, the reader, we know that it's Jesus. And I think we can find ourselves there in that moment of the story. We are facing grief. We are sad. Um, whether it's the isolation or the tight corridors with people in our homes, whether it's the economic fear or the fear of, um, of just getting sick, um, we, we, we can find ourselves right in that moment. But on this road, as they walk along, as the stranger joins them, as they explore passages of scripture, as they pay attention to where their hearts come alive, um, the stranger doesn't leave them in that grief, but begins to tell them a little bit of a different story, begins to give them a map, if you will. I think this Easter season is the season where we proclaim and we're reminded that just like life kind of slips in the back door sometimes, resurrection also slips in where sometimes we just aren't expecting it. And we've looked at a number of stories where this has happened. And here in this story, it's happening again. These disciples' grief is transformed in these very simple things of walking a road, talking to a stranger, breaking bread, eating food, sitting at table, welcoming someone into their home. They realize that they are in the presence of the resurrected Christ. Resurrection life has slipped in the back, the back door. And they say, weren't our hearts burning? Resurrection life. It's not resuscitating what was, but it's allowing what was to be affected and met by what is new. That's the season of the church year that we're in. Um, these disciples... All of us, we walk and we go through our lives and we breathe in and we breathe out. Um, and our very selves are this like potluck of emotions and our bodies and our spirit and soul. And it's all just this one kind of mesh together thing that interacts with all these other people, just like these disciples are interacting with the stranger and with one another. Um, and some of these people, oh, we just love them 
and we connect with them, we have so much fun with them, and other people we run into, it's not quite as enjoyable. Might even be to the point where it's like sandpaper and it raises these questions of like, is this about me or is this about them? But we, we as beings move through life in relationship with all sorts of different people and we have these experiences. And these disciples are having an experience here. And some of these experiences, they fill us with hope and life. Um, a song that we just, just love that kind of opens us up to something that we've been feeling or gives us words to something we've been thinking. Um, holding the hand of someone for the first time or holding the hand of someone that you've been holding the hand of for many, many, many years. Um, a meal that you share um, with someone that you didn't expect or, or a friend at school who just gets you because they're going through the same thing you're going through at school or now in online school. Um, we have these moments where we accomplish things that matter and are meaningful and those kinds of experiences, oh, they're the best. And we just know we're alive when we have them. But we have these other moments in our lives of just sadness and despair when things just don't go well. Um, long, cold seasons, silences. Um, the moment you wake up to the alarm and you think to yourself, am I gonna do this again today? Is this really what it's all about? Um, kind of those what is the point moments. Those moments where maybe some small kind of curiosity that became a habit that's now this destructive force in your life and you don't know what to do with it. Um, life has slipped in the back door and we ask these, these questions. And these moments of like meaning and love and beauty, they, they, they start to feel like they're just like a blip on the radar. They start to feel like they're just like a detour. Um, in life and that the real thing is this sadness or despair or coldness. I think the disciples might be feeling that in this, in this moment. But resurrection is the opposite of that. Resurrection is realizing that those, those glimpses of hope and beauty and truth they're actually the real thing. They're the thing that undergirds everything else. Um, that kind word that somebody says that kind of ignites you, that's the real thing. That bud that is now this month blossoming into a flower, but that was just a couple weeks ago not existent on this like tree that looked dead, that flower, that process, that's resurrection. That is the real thing. It's not a, an aberration of how things are, but it's a sign. It's a symbol. It's a glimpse of what is actually going on. And so resurrection says that this, this place that we find ourselves bumping around with all sorts of people, living these experiences, like this is our this is our home. Um, and that everything that in it that is broken or um, frail, COVID even, heartbreak, all of those things that are in some kind of hard to explain way, 
those things are temporary. COVID is temporary. What we're doing right now is temporary. Um, and the gospel, Easter tells us that there is, there is newness that is on the horizon and invites us to lift our eyes and to pay attention. Um, for several thousand years, a community of people have um, insisted that something happened in that tomb, that something happened with Jesus, that he was dead and that now he's alive. And we've been working with these early, early stories of that. And, and that community for the last several thousand years, of which our church is a part, has proclaimed something new happened there. Can we prove it? Can we stand here and like detail out exactly how that all happened? No, we can't. But we can say that for several thousand years, a community of people has opened up their selves to the resurrection life that is available in Christ. Um, and that when you trust this story, something good happens. Something is unleashed and unlocked in your heart and your life. And I wonder if there's an invitation for us right now in this, in this shelter-in-place time, uh, with all the myriad of feelings that we've talked about going on, that we might be invited and be, invite one another to open our eyes to the newness that is breaking in, not as just a blip on the radar, but as the whole thing that undergirds it all. In this new life, it's as close to us right now as a stranger walking on the road, a reflective conversation with a friend or neighbor, um, food broken around a table, with those who you're living with, um, stories of scripture, sacred texts, paying attention to what makes my heart burn. Newness is that close. So I think I want to close by just saying, let's not waste this experience. Um, let's say and, and remind ourselves, this experience, and no matter where we, our boat is on the sea of this experience, whether we're just loving it as a gift or really struggling or anywhere in between. This is a temporary experience that we're going through. Um, but undergirding it is the resurrection life that God wants to invite us into. Um, so let's not, let's not waste it. Let's allow it to affect us knowing that God is with us in this very temporary season um, that we find ourselves in. So a couple questions to wonder about as we start to move to Eucharist today. I wonder how the disciples felt when Jesus had died. I wonder how life has snuck in the back door for you, maybe in ways you didn't expect. I wonder how the disciples knew that Jesus was alive. I wonder how it feels when Jesus joins you and me on our journey. I wonder what it was like to have their hearts burn when they spoke to him on the road. I wonder what it was like to recognize Jesus 
in the simple act of breaking bread. I wonder if you've ever been close to bread like this. I wonder how God's resurrection life might have snuck in the back door as well.